Welcome to episode two of Field Notes, produced by A Field of Crowns. My name is Andrew Gabry, and today I'm talking with the Elephants Collective. I was invited to attend a rehearsal for a kitchen sink drama, the new show by the Elephants Collective running February 17th to the 20th at the Rhubarb Festival. I met the group at a local cafe, a spot they've been using between studios to polish their piece. Today was a day of chugging through blocking or finishing the play. If you've ever encountered the elephants before, you'll know that plays are not really the kind of theater that they make. And a kitchen sink drama, while it will be the closest you'll get to seeing the elephant stage a traditional play, it is anything but. A kitchen sink drama is a critical examination of realism on stage and the layers, demands, and politics they ask of an audience. Termed a ritualistic feat of strength, to describe their piece, they provide a series of observations. What we know is that in the theater, you shut up and sit in your chair and listen, except when you don't. What we know is that the bad things that are going to happen to the characters was destined from the day the writer hit print. Except it isn't. This is a play about watching and playing and suffering. It's a play. As an audience member, you have the power to make these actors suffer, or to see them act. As rehearsal went on, I was able to pull almost all of the collaborators aside for a chat. I began speaking with director Jimena Uizi. I started f recording partway into our conversation as we both realized that this was the time we would be able to chat at length. We began talking about the challenges of approaching a traditional realistic play as collective creation. You will notice sounds in the background of this recording. This is from the baristas making drinks and cleaning the kitchen, uh, which was a coincidental and somewhat perfect setting when talking about kitchen sinks. Yeah, so we did that for a couple of rehearsals. No, no director, um, kind of outside eyeing each other um, on the scenes where not all four of us were in. Um, Michael kind of suggested this this way that collect device collective theaters normally approach realist um, theater, something post Grotowski or post Stanislavski okay. kind of stuff, yeah. where you create like a very specific track um, and and movement score. Okay. And then you just repeat that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. You drill it until it becomes um, natural, until you find right. like within those restraints you find the thing. And so the loose idea was that we were going to try to do that. Um, okay. And then, and then we we had a couple of rehearsals, and then we had a rehearsal with, with like Annie and a couple of and Nicole and a couple of outside eyes, and we went to kind of show what was going on. And it was like, oh, it's four different shows. Like the scenes are all are four different. It's. Um, it's four different shows and in what way? Well, because it's like there's four scenes, right? And so it's like in one act scene. one, yeah. Yeah, or, in act one. Yeah. Um, and so, or at least like, yeah. So it's like <laughs> the one scene where it's like me and Michael, where Jesse was outside and then the right. scene where like the four of us are in, it was like, just like at whatever it was. And then <laughs> I worked, I oversaw like a scene where it was just Mike and Jesse, right. which had a very specific aesthetic. And then... And then at the end, it's just like another scene. And so it was like, this is just like a bunch of things, like a collage of like a bunch yeah. of like almost things. Um, yeah. And so we, uh, we took it to the table and um, uh, decided that, uh, you know, if we were going to pursue the, the realist Monsei's Journey Tonight presentation, well, we might as well consider like introducing the, the form of right. working as well. Like bringing that into the rehearsal space as well. Okay. And, and introducing whatever a director with an elephant means. Um, which is where it got exciting for me, like the notion of, like, as a fresh director, like, never have done it before. Um, I don't have any preconceived 
ideas or like expectations of, 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 of what I am as a director, which seemed really um, interesting to introduce that to a, a collective that doesn't have any real um, kind of like things to weigh right. to compare what what a director does inside the collective. It's all kind of right. discovered by the collective and by me and by me as a director and by them as performers under a collective director thing. Like it's been a yeah, we kind of just just closed our eyes and jumped in the then, <laughs> right? And ran ran blindly mm. into it. Um, yeah, it's it sounds really interesting and challenging to uh, ins install this very specific way of making theater into a collective that doesn't necessarily follow that exactly. or that wants to add a pick at it yeah. as well, right? Like yeah. it needs to be in there in order for the, for you to pick it apart, right? Exactly. So yeah, yeah, that's an interesting uh, conversion of life. <laughs> different, yeah, yeah, and it, and it is exactly that, right? Like, and and a bit of of, of the experience has been that urge to pick it apart mm. <laughs> once we've introduced it as well. Um, right, and like how, how much can you actually do that whilst, while remaining sort of uh, <clears throat> true to uh, what you actually want to showcase in front of an audience, right? Because like, isn't that, isn't that the audience's job in watching this thing <laughs> in a way? Yes. Like to, to kind of prompt you guys? So like how, how much can you as a collective pick it apart before actually staging it if that makes any sense it does well and and i think <clears throat> i think what we've discovered is that we can't or or, or we we i'm sort of stay away from words like shouldn't because sure. i feel like they're so like definitive yeah um but um like we aim to not so a big part of what we're trying to do with kajistic drama is to create those 20 minutes of long stays during the end tonight as um, an object of a realist play. And so, because it is just a 20 minutes, and, like, in reality, like, right, and, like, all our hopes and dreams, you're, you're going to see, like, seven minutes of the play. Right. <laughs> like, maybe. Yeah, um, 20 minutes is hopeful. It's, it's, well, I mean, like, you know, like, when you introduce the, the sinks and the and, and everything else, yeah. um, you're not going to get my work. You're not going to see what I did <laughs> at all. Um, but, yeah, like... So, oh, that's so interesting itself, right? Yes. Like, you're directing something that might not actually ever be seen. Yes, we'll probably never <laughs> seen. Like there's like the last scene we'll probably never get to. Right. And it's my favorite one. Yeah. And it's my favorite one to like. So, <laughs> so there's like a level of like you have to kind of let go of that as well, right? Like it, yeah. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> but, been... but there has to be some sort of um, diligence in still staging it because there is the possibility that it will be seen. Yeah. Well, and so, and it's been quite lovely to. It's been kind of a yeah. Um, or like raw so. of of. Um, the obligation, right? And right. so, but because it's an uncertain, uh, I don't get to like just half-ass it, right? Yeah. Like, and I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to half-ass it. And so it's been fun to kind of have that, um, to calm my like first director mm -hmm. anxieties, um, but also it's just enough to be like, okay, no, it's someone, it's probable that they'll never see it, but also yeah. they might. So you still, you still have to do the work. You still have to do the work Yeah, there has to be an ending. It has to, yeah. Like to, <laughs> In some to, way, I can't just. It has to be a thing. Can't just really trail off. Thing. Yeah. Um, you can't. You have to finish your thought, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to reach the. You have to reach the period. I think, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so by introducing Long Sister and Tonight as like the object 
of the realist thing um, against what will hopefully be an actual real event. Mm. Um, we're taking away kind of the content of mm. Long Sea's Journey into Night as a play. Um, so you were straying away from, or kind of treating it like a scene study almost. I don't think um, we do every Straying away from the rest of the play, the things that happen in the rest of the play, right? And, and, and the things that, if I was staging Long Sea's Journey into Night as a whole, there would be a series of, of, of events, of actions, of, of circumstances that would need to start getting introduced right. in those first 20 minutes that aren't necessarily useful um, mm. for the object that is the 20 minutes that we're showing. That's so interesting, though, because then doesn't that change the illusion in a way that uh, you guys only know that you're showing 20 minutes or that, that you're presenting now to the audience that you're only going to be showing a small portion and therefore the... I don't know, for, say a gun is not introduced at the starting of the play because it doesn't come back because you're never going to see act three sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it kind of changes the, yes. the conceit of it. It does. And, and what has <laughs> done is it's given me like this like absurd amount of freedom. Mm. Um, cool. Which has been um, <clears throat> great because it's been a really sh uh, fast, short process. Right. And we haven't... Um, and I have I certainly haven't had the time or the hours to prepare as a like to put like the the, the hours of research and, and of, of dramaturgy and of like right. all of these things that like when you're directing the play you have to yeah. bring in. Um, it's really been a bit of an exercise on this act and and my vision of it and their and their work within it and um, what what, yeah, a part of the show really is like, what a, what is Elephant's realist? Right. What, is El, what does 20 <laughs> what minutes is... of Elephant's doing realist <laughs> theater look like? Right. Um, because that is the only thing that we can do, right? Yeah. It's, it's that we're, we are what we are. And that's wonderful um, to, yeah, that's wonderful to be presented with. You know, as yeah. an audience member, right? Yeah. Because you're not going to the Rhubarb Festival to see Long Day's Journey into the Night. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, no, you're going. You're going hopefully to see to see this lovely group of people um, lift heavy things. <laughs> lift um, heavy things. Right. I'm excited to see it as well. After his character exited the scene, Thomas McEchney and I found a back hallway to sit and chat. As we get into our conversation, sounds of the rehearsal hall bleed through, further adding to the paradox that is realist drama. Um, yeah, in a play like this, there's like, there's so much, um, I feel like there's so much information coming, coming at you like all the time, right? Yeah. Like there's, um, it is written really well, right? Like it's a well-made play, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, it has so much. And, uh, like I was mentioning to Jesse, I was watching this um, version of it online, which was a filmed one with like a really young Kevin Spacey in it. And like the way that it was directed was just like, they were on top of each other. They were like, like just going a mile a minute sort of thing. Like their minds are working mm -hmm. um, so much so, like even even more than they work in regular life, yeah. right? Like in a, on a daily, like realistic <laughs> level of things. We're not always that present, but these actors are like hyper aware. Mm -hmm. And I find that really strange because it's supposed to be like realism, yeah. right? But realism is a style, right? Yeah. It's very much a style. So... Yeah, sort of the interesting game in the thing is that there's a um, that um, 
that realism is inherently unrealistic um and that uh that it sort of has this i don't know assumption about it that it's somehow a reflection of life but like uh life's significantly less interesting than this um and even like even because we've all you know that we've all had horrible fights with people or we've all loved people and like those are all sort of portrayed on stage but um i don't know it's um like first of all it's 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 sort of impossible to not um it's either impossible or incredibly unhealthy to not realize it's a play for the performers um but that's like so much of what we want from the audience right because you're asking them not to exist in the same room as you in a way yeah right like they're just they're just voyeurs Mm -hmm. to this to this um encapsulated little quote-unquote slice of life that is happening in front of you but again yeah it's like it's it's completely uh made it's completely crafted like every aspect of it every it's so highly choreographed in a way you know that it's not it's not realistic at all and i find it's really interesting what you guys are doing or the concept of the show which i haven't yet seen but uh is that you're breaking that and you are breaking realism down to a more realistic level yeah. <laughs> and what's really interesting for me is the fact that we are not breaking it so much as the audience is breaking it. right that's cool is that we could it's um it was sort of part of the initial conversation is when we talked about this play is that like um because it, you know because it started off as a joke that we would perform a realist drama while carrying kitchen sinks around yeah. and, like, and this whole thing was and it was like we just had this like great mike and i over beers this great long conversation about all the ways we could shit on the thing like all the ways that we could like mock its folks we were sort of like yeah like i don't know i don't think anyone is um like, are we really, like, speaking truth to power in that case? And just sort of, like, at rhubarb talking shit about realism? Like, sure. <laughs> whatever. Fuck you. Um, um, but, so it's in, so, so that's sort of where the idea for the, for the audience's place in it came. Right. Um, is that we, I don't know, it's easy, it's easy to subject a group of people to sort of, like, what you think about things. And say like this is what plays should be these plays are stupid this play is great but um the hope is that it's sort of the audience um a bunch of figuring out what's going on can if they wish sort of decide be like well right. seeing you do that so you carry a sink or lift a sink and, and talk and um <laughs> i just want to do a play right and yeah then that could be it's like an empowerment yeah sort of thing right and uh people might have that realization but uh like not you might not be able to get the entire audience doubtful. We'll yeah. be able to get the entire audience to think that's that same way, right? To make that same choice. <laughs> well, the beautiful sort of like like the, one of the one of the thoughts I had of like imagining because we make these stupid plays that like don't really exist until the audience shows up. Like you're always just sort of wondering, you're like, well, maybe this will happen. And sort of one of those for me was I had this this idea of like. Um, us dying under the sinks and a couple of people like persistently making small noises to make us do it more and then someone in the audience just be like fucking stop that 
and then there's an argument amongst the audience about yeah. like what is the what is the proper course of action here right and that's i don't know it's the because like the we talk empowerment is an interesting yeah. word it's like it's a um that's sort of where my i initially like really dug my teeth into this idea is the fact that um like you know people go on people go on social media breaks because it's just like all of the there's just so much shit mm-hmm. pouring in all the time and that yeah. whether that be like the shit of like of just humans being shitty or whether that's the shit of uh, humans you know being shitty or whether that's the shit of like humans in various parts of the world being shitty um and that we just sort of um have learned as a sort of culturally learned that dicks will be dicks and pricks will be pricks and that's sort of the end of the game um and um and i think that's a dangerous place to live in i think that we um um i remember when i was out on the um when i was out volunteering for the ndp during last election that some guy was sort of like well fucking politicians are gonna be politicians and they're just gonna do whatever they want anyways mm. and i just remember talking and saying like um uh we a uh a political edifice has been erected in which uh the populi feels like things are just going to be shit right and that and that there's no power that there's no will to change anything or rather that like one person really can't do anything and yeah um because i mean i guess that's that's wrapped up in so many things. I mean, we're, we are inundated with all of this, all of this news and even um, television shows and movies and stuff yeah. where like it takes an exceptional, like heroic kind of godlike person yeah. to really evoke any sort of change. Yeah. And, and in the real world, you're kind of, you can play that in a video game, yeah. you know, but like, what can you, you know, what can you do? So yeah, I think that there is like this, this sense of ennui that, that people fall into sometimes yeah. because the static is so loud out there. Um, yeah. huh. And so that's one of the great challenges of the game is sort of like, because we were thinking about like, um, when we were initially working on the show was we were just sort of writing about, thinking about and writing about realism. Right. And um, I remember writing, ooh, I was writing about the, um, the fact that it must have been a great relief when realist theater emerged mm-hmm. for people because um, that was sort of late, mid to late industrial revolution, mm-hmm. massive migrations of people from the country into the, into cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, like there's that sort of stat that's around thing where we can only really know 200 people and that by right. 80 people, you sort of lose somebody else and stuff like that. And it's like, that's just too many people. So there's, there would be these, would there be these massive masses of people, um, in cities who were just experiencing so many people for mm-hmm. the first time that uh, experience you get when you're looking at a condominium and you're sort of like that's just yeah or you're shopping and yeah. you just walk into a place and you're like ah i just can't there's too much you know <laughs> like i've had that walking into a place on a whim being like oh maybe i should buy pants today yeah. and then i walk into a place and i just get tired so it would have could have been a great relief uh, yeah at that time to be like here's the deal um some people are going to suffer on stage mm. and you can't do anything about it. Right. And you should, shouldn't try to do anything about it. And that I feel like there has to have been people in the audience who were just like, Oh my Christ. Right. Oh God. I'm so glad that I am not allowed to do anything about these people because 
I can just sort of like turn off that part of my brain that says like, oh, that person, well, maybe I can help. Maybe they need a, maybe, yeah. and they can just sort of like guilt-free, just like be there in the dark and the quiet alone. It's so interesting to me that that, like I'm thinking about this now, and I've never actually thought about it this way before, but like that this, that this, that theater, that, that film and stuff like that um, has become an escapist thing to like be able to sit in the dark, yeah. right? Whereas oftentimes I used to, I used to compare it with sports and stuff like that, but yeah. I don't think that's, that's true at all. Like I think Brecht was very right when he compared the theater that he wanted to make to to boxing and to into being in a sports arena because like you, you, I mean you can just go to a sports game and and have have a lot of beer and and just sit there and not participate but but it's not, it's really difficult it's not to easy, not yeah. participate, right? Yeah. You have to participate and you feel like you are actually doing something that by cheering you are going to affect the outcome of this game, yeah. you know. Um, so it's kind of like a call to action and like, why doesn't theater do that? This is, this is a, this is a a birthplace of thought. This is a place where we challenge human condition and assumptions and stuff like that. So why, why are we just expecting to be wrapped up in a nice bow or to, or to just be like, well, at least that's not me, you know, sort of thing and walk away. So I love the idea that you guys have chosen to not just present something akin to parody or sketch or something like yeah. that you know where it's just like hey guys look at all this funny stuff that we came up about yeah about realist comedy isn't this stuff or like realist drama isn't this ridiculous yeah. and and instead you're giving giving the audience the ability to to think that way yeah. and to affect it that way yeah it's kind of cool yeah. <laughs> so how is the um how is holding the kitchen sinks it's okay um <laughs> We discovered it's very it's significantly easier when you're talking to someone. Huh. Um because it uh it takes it out of um it's not um you're no longer just focused on yourself. Right. Um you're focused on like this thing in between two people. Um and there's that weird that weird impulse where um I don't know, I guess because when 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 something is bouncing really well between two people that like you just want to keep that going right. and that's cool sort of um that that liveness of a conversation is really nice and so see sorry continue um oh so it's just like um and because that because it's about like the two of you doing a thing together having a conversation then you stop being sort of focused on like the fact that you're in pain right the sinks and are you guys going to be talking to each other, like the actors, or the, you're talking to the audience at this, this moment? Yeah. And so, is, is each of you are each of you going to be talking to the audience? Intern. Like a different sort in, of... inter, intern. Yeah. Intern. We thought okay. about doing it all at once, but I was okay. like, no, no one will be able to hear anything. Sure. Yeah. Um, this was this was a fun moment. Oh, okay. So like, so. within this structure, then you get these moments of relief, and then when someone else is talking, like <laughs> you're in, yeah. you're in kind of a torturous. <laughs> <laughs> so how does the play start again? Um, it's, uh, the interactions are, are, go for a period of time and the period of time, um, is, uh, greater each time we do it. Okay. Um, so we're sort of striking a balance between like, initially we were thinking that it would double each time, but that like meant that we could only do, we can only stop the show six times in sure. 45 minutes. So it will increase a bit each time and there will be a sort of a timer on there saying like, this okay. is how long we have until this. And so you have a certain switch. set of rules yeah. that you guys are going by. Yeah. A, a structure, your structure, right? Within this, um, <laughs> on top of this, even more rigid structure of 
blocking. It's strange to see you guys doing all of this, all of this doing blocking. all of the acting things. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Why am I saying this? Yeah. What am I, what's my... That's wonderful. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see it. Thanks for chatting. On break, I was able to speak with the only member of the collective I had never met before. Christina Bojanowski offers insight into what it's been like jumping into this process for the first time. Hi. <laughs> so this is your first time with the elephants. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great. Um, how is just running into a process like this? Is this uh, uh, different from what you've experienced? I don't know what you do. Do you do you collective creation? Often? I, ha I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've also done physical theater based right. creation. Um, and I learned from some of the same teachers that, that Jesse's learned from, Great. for example, um, doing the Grotowski work. So uh, it's not completely foreign. This one's different, though, because they have installed a more traditional structure. Right. <laughs> so maybe there's a little bit of discomfort around warm-ups. I go, let's do it. Let's do a group warm-up. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm used to it. Sure, yeah. yeah. And they do, I mean, when I was with yeah. Wake, you know, like they do, the they, they do the training, right? And yeah. sometimes, um, personally, sometimes I found it, uh, we were doing it in sort of the middle of summer and it was really, really hot and stuff like that sometimes too. And I, I love the idea of training an actor um, and continuing the training uh, as you go, like not just um, walking into a uh, rehearsal hall, but like actually like having a kind of structure in that way. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I found it somewhat exhausting, you know, because like it was yeah. a really hot day or something like that. And like it really pushed myself through training. And then I was like, I was gone for the rest of the rehearsal, you know, <laughs> especially when you're now asked to create a bunch of stuff. Um, but there might be some, I would assume that there's like some semblance of comfort in the fact that after you guys do the, the wonderful warm ups and, and whatnot, there is uh, structure to fall into. Right? You have yes. some scenes that you're now, yeah. <laughs> you have a character <laughs> that yeah. you're playing, right? Yeah, it's not, it's, it's, we're not starting from scratch. It's not like we yeah. have a theme and we split off into groups or you have to bring in, yeah, we're not, we're not creating from the ground up. Yeah. We have a structure we can tear apart and, and sometimes honor. I don't know. I don't <laughs> well, know. it seems like that's an important part of it, though, right? Like honoring the um, the realism, the the way that this thing should be mm -hmm. uh, staged in order for it to get, I don't know, some sort of reaction that I guess you guys are looking for. Well, in order for there to actually be a contrast between the two forms right. that we're presenting. Um, also, I think that that it it is a masterpiece of the form that it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't read much of the rest of O'Neill because I've read Long Day's Journey and I thought, right. oh, that's it. That's the, <laughs> that's the culmination of a lifetime of writing and, right. and experience. And it's, uh, I sat down, so we're just doing the first act and I sat down and read the whole thing and was exhausted by the end of it. Of course, yeah. Let, let alone watching it or doing it um, because it is so detailed and the relationships are so complex and mm. they do have their individual rhythms. So, and they don't, they don't let you in. They don't let you stop really. I mean, as an audience member, right. It's not, it's not for you, <laughs> you know, not really. <laughs> not really. It kind no. of is, but it's not really, which is the weird, I guess, paradox. But, um, yeah, there's, there's so much it's, it is, uh, assaulting to walk into this show. Cause you feel like you are walking into something that's been going on for a very long time. Right. Yeah. 
how do you like I know that you guys are you're breaking convention right and mm -hmm. so how would you describe the difference that you feel of being this character and then having a conversation with the audience well it, uh, <laughs> when you are striving or I am striving for um fully realized actions and scenes however I'm not a 54 year old woman coming down off what of Yes, I know. I know this is audio. Um, not a fifty-four-year-old woman coming down off of a morphine right. addiction. Also, we like we don't speak that way. We came up against a couple lines where I was saying them, and Jimena, who's directing, went, "Don't do the old lady voice." So we went, but I'm calling Thomas dear. Right. I'm mothering Thomas yeah. and plumping pillows behind his back. I have to, I have to reach, or I have to be somewhat away from myself in order to fill these words because, because me saying them in my rhythm and my vernacular is ridiculous. That's a funny layer to think about as well. That's that's in this is that you know you're trying to present this realism and it's in its kind of pure form, mm -hmm. and and you guys aren't. You and Mike aren't the ages that no. <laughs> they're supposed to be. No. So there's that layer as well. And then even just even just breaking and, and, and quote unquote being yourself in front of an audience member while obviously holding something that's um, probably rather taxing, but mm -hmm. uh, is a performance in itself. This sounds strange, but we haven't practiced that part a whole lot, but I right. find that the version of myself that comes out is also the version that comes out on dates sometimes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I get really intense. Wow. And like... Make a lot of eye contact yeah. and ask a lot of questions. I'm not very good at small talk. So uh, there's this, this. Oh, that's so lovely to think about, though, right? Because we do perform in different, um, mm -hmm. like I'm probably performing right now for you, you yeah, know, like in this conversation, because I've never met you before and um, trying to make this sound interesting to be, you know, like I know what I'm doing right now in, in regards to we're recording something, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so am I like this in everyday life? Like what? It's so strange to be thrown onto a stage and then to ask to yourself and other people to not act. Yes. And then the, the kitchen sinks and the exertion. Yeah. It's like, it's like if you were on a first date, but you're also doing jumping jacks at the same time. And the other person sees that you're doing jumping jacks, but you're not going to talk about them. There's a, um, yeah. There's a lack of room for reflection as the person holding the sink. Yeah. Uh, it, it places, because I, or at least um, use the eye. I find that when I'm doing it, I have to focus my energy outwards yeah. and uh, take it off of the external rather than going internal. Um, it's very easy to hold the sinks when I'm the one speaking. But right. when it's somebody else's turn and I'm just there holding the sink, I can feel my muscle shaking because I don't have that point of external focus yeah thomas said something very similar to that actually that it was that it was easy when you are the actual actually the one speaking right which is mm -hmm. which is really wonderful um and uh there's something really i mean i'll have to see it obviously to to see if this is real but it sounds like there's something quite honest about that right because when you're thrown into uh an exerting situation um your mind really can't process like, it, I mean, it's busy, right? Like, it's, mm -hmm. it is busy with other things, you mm -hmm. know? So 
Um, I wonder what that does to your defenses. I mean, you say that you go into this date persona where you are uh, really forward and stuff, but like maybe there is like this really lovely amount of honesty coming from that. It sounds like, you know, because you need <laughs> a conversation at that point. Yeah, really do. <laughs> yeah. Which is wonderful. I took a, a Linklater inspired voice class mm-hmm. once and uh, Adam Bailey taught it and he was um, getting us into like these rather intense yoga like or sort of in between yoga poses mm-hmm. where so that you're not actually like holding the pose but you are in the moment where you get to where you're getting to the pose where your muscles aren't supposed to stop and then you start to shake and then he's like okay start saying your text at that point you know mm-hmm. because your mind and your body becomes distracted or mm, it, it gets taken up with other things and then you can actually like free your voice is, is the mm-hmm. idea of it so it seems sounds like you're doing a very similar thing by holding kitchen sinks yeah. above your head yeah because your body finds it's that it's that alexander thing your body mm. finds the alignment it needs yeah the, the path of greatest ease next michael reinhardt and i talk about the politics of control found in realism and the implications of that on a populace i feel our conversation could have gone on for much longer than it did but as you will hear rehearsal began again which was my cue to pack up and journey off into the night. I'm curious about, like, I was watching a version of this online because I had never actually read the play, yeah. which is funny. Um, I know that you guys are, are doing the play, but you're not also doing the play at the same yeah. time. Um, and I was kind of astonished that uh, to see the version that I saw online was very similar to actually what I, what I find as, like, this kind of... S- striven for style of acting still prominent today i don't mm-hmm. know in theater and stuff like you go to a lot of um a lot of indie theaters even today that are making work in 2015 2016 like yeah. they they do this even though they're in a small space they're doing this kind of realistic acting mm-hmm. you know um where they're not necessarily paying attention to you and they're 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 thinking a mile a minute and stuff like that yeah. so choosing this play or or is there is there an interest to choose this style of play for you right now? Well, I mean, I, I think, I think that, you know, there's, there's very much the, the other half of the play, which is very much, uh, uh, which we're not really working on today, which is very much our, our reaction to this style. Um, you know, uh, our interest in playing with the style or, um, perhaps critiquing the style is, uh, is kind of founded, um, on, uh, the game, that this type of style plays, particularly with the audience, um, and perhaps the politics that are implicit in that kind of game with the audience. You know, I mean, um, if we can think that aesthetics are uh, are in some way repeat received ideology or repeat uh, power in some way, shape, or form, um, then a uh, an aesthetic model where the where the reception where the spectatorship is founded on the audience being silent and the audience pretending they're not there and the audience not being able to engage with the thing and the audience not being to, able to change the thing or interact um, creates a very particular politics of reality hmm. um, for the audience. I mean, I mean, this comes out of, of course, like realism comes out of an age before film. Right. Um, and so we have to be aware of that, but we also have to wonder how it has persisted, how those, how those politics of spectatorship 
have remained dominant uh, mm -hmm. to this day and age. Uh, what does it mean um, when we can be together with people? But we must assume that <laughs> people who are uh, not us, who we recognize somehow as other, that uh, their activities, though we can observe them, um, we must assume that they are somehow outside of our right. uh, range of participation. Kind of set in motion. Yeah. And we can't catch that. Yeah. Um, All we can do is watch. And There's something interesting to me about the... Um, uh, yeah, its relationship to the audience, it feels actually ra rather assaulting, like in, in, in a way that it's like, it's, it's just, it's just throwing you all of this stuff. And like you just said, it's already set in motion. Like it's, it, you, you can't necessarily catch it or like, it's kind of telling you in the same way that you can't catch it. And it, and it keeps giving you stuff yeah. and it doesn't really let you, let you sit down, Yeah, which is interesting. Or like, you, there's like a weird dichotomy going on because like, Part of you can just sit in that in that dark space and and watch what's going on in front of you and be like, yeah, that's not me, yeah. you know, like oh, look yeah. at these poor sods, you know. Uh, but then part of you ha like has to keep doing all of that work to really, if you want to pay attention to all the detail and like sure. get into there, you know. It's it is a really assaulting thing. Well, I mean, I mean, it 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 causes you, it forces you to work just enough to engage but the rules are so deeply ingrained in you that you engage within the uh confines of those rules right. it it uh is is interactive enough uh to the senses that you are that you are uh um not uh what is the word i want um encapsulated i suppose by the thing um but you've been you've been so deeply civilized by the yeah. the rules uh, and the procedures and the protocols um, that that actually strengthens that encapsulation. That's not encapsulation. I want fascination. There's this as, like it's kind of telling you that word. like you can think about it. Yeah. And like you can think about it all you want, but yeah. like you better not get out of that seat. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and imagine you know I mean. Imagine when realism is the dominant art form, yeah. when, when theater is the dominant art form in the world, mm -hmm. um, and it is the popular art form. Well, what is that saying to a populist in a, you know, at the tail end of the revolutionary age? Mm. Um, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a politics in that, there's a, there's a dominant ideology in place in the theater. Um, you know, I think what fascinates our group is, uh, what does it mean that, 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 those politics and that dominant ideology in some way has persisted or is still utilized yeah. um, in contemporary theater or so much contemporary theater, or at least Toronto contemporary yeah. There's something about empowering, um, Thomas and I were talking about empowering the audience, what you guys are doing in, in this take on it is kind of empowering the audience, but um, if we go back to thinking about it being a dominant form during an industrial time, right? Industrial time is the first time where you, you uh, as like a human, as like a, a proletariat, have a lot of um, power, finally, uh, in your own life. Sorry, just that. Of course. Sorry, Amanda. Time for everyone to panic. <laughs> why are we why are we panicking? Why not? True. Uh Jimena, do I have a, a minute or do I um, a minute. Um, Cool. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I can finish this thought some other time. Um uh, all, all I wanted to say was that uh, it's 
interesting that, uh, yeah, thinking about an industrial time, um, proletariat, uh, uh, working class people actually finally get some sort of um, seemingly power, power in their daily life, right? Yeah. They're, not, they're not forced to do what they, they've, they've been uh, told that they have to do uh, for ages upon ages upon ages, right? They, they actually have some choices now. And then uh, for fun, they're, they're told to be controlled and contained yeah. in one spot, you know? It's a curiosity. I mean, uh, when the theater in the, the leisure of the middle class um, still manages to articulate very distinct prerogatives um, of power. Um, I'm really curious to hear and watch the audience during this thing. It's going to be an interesting thing. <laughs> um, and also the ethics of how they engage with this beat. Yeah. Um, they have the potential to make the actors suffer. Is that <laughs> something they wish to do? Mm. We'll find out, I guess. Yeah. Thanks for talking. Thank you. So there you have it. I was able to speak with almost all the members of the Elephants Collective. I didn't get around to interviewing Jesse Byers, but I wish I did. Um, you can catch a kitchen sink drama at week one of the 37th Rhubarb Festival from February 17th to the 20th at the wonderful Buddies in Bad Times Theatre. As much as I'm using this podcast to help promote new theatre, I hope it becomes more than that. Maybe some sort of time capsule or archive to collect the conversations, which make up such a large part of developing theatre and performance. As some sort of behind-the-scenes insight into the minds working in Toronto today, it really excites me to be able to do these interviews. So thanks again for listening. Um, my name's Andrew Gabry, and if you liked it, I'll be back soon with a different kind of guest and hopefully a different festival to interview as well. So for now, just keep making stuff and keep talking about it because it is such a wonderful time to be doing that in. Cheers. Doc uh, Hardy thinks it might be uh, a bit of Yeah, yeah, we'll find it. It's great. Again!